a reason. Gravity Falls creep into the non-animated world. This is the Gravity Bros Podcast. Hey everybody, I'm Alec Hester and I am joined today by my brother, Lucas Hester. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty, it's a sunny day out where I am in Oregon, much like the show that we're watching. I think it's amazing that you live in Oregon and Gravity Falls also takes place in that location. I sure wish I lived there as well. I love that state. Ha! Ha ha! Ha 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 ha! Me too. It's great here. Actually, it's yes. awful. Everybody listening to this, it's, play- it's like gross, it's trashy, people are mean, no. go away. <laughs> I'm serious, go ahead. It's, it's awful. I'm, I mean it. I mean you you want to keep that population down, I see. Well, no, get uh, out of here. We'll There's see, no reverse we'll psychology can... in this. <laughs> We'll see if you can keep me away. I mean, I sure like that state a lot, but who knows? Who knows? Well, you should move here because I want you to wallow in how awful it is with me. But everyone else, Uh of course, needs to get out. I I understand. I understand. So, bro, today we are talking about episode four of Gravity Falls, which was the hand that rocks the Mabel. Yes. Yes. Disney low-key evangelical evil priest. That it can fly because it's a child. Boy, there's a lot to unpack with this one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest, okay? I, I'm never not excited to talk about episodes, but the reason that I am excited to talk about this one is because I really didn't like it the very first time I watched it. Really? Okay. I, I'm interested I didn't. to talk about this then. I'm very interested, um, actually. I enjoyed it more on a rewatch with more context of the series, but I remember watching it and being like, eh, you know, the last couple episodes were really good and this one didn't wow me. But I, I think there's a yeah. lot of reasoning for that, which we'll get into. Um, yeah, I, I I have a funny perspective. I did like the episode, but I didn't like any of the characters, kind of. I'll get into that. I more. totally understand that. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Writing up my character of the episode for this one was a challenge. Oh my um, god, I have a great story for for mine actually. For great, my character great. Okay, the episode. We'll get, we'll get, well, we'll get into it. <laughs> yes. So we are going to start talking about this episode. We'll recap it first, and then get into the good stuff. So, yeah. episode starts. Can can I do and- this one actually? I would love for you to do this one. Okay. Go ahead. So the the intro to this one was actually hysterical for me. Um, like this one started on a really funny note. Very, because it's quick paced comedy and I love that. First thing you see, Grunkle Stan is blatantly ripping people off at the Mystery Shack. Being like, this is the Mystery Sack. If you put your money in it, it mysteriously disappears. And everybody's like, oh, that makes sense. That's awesome. And they all just throw their money in there. Which is so, like, blatant and silly and gives you good character development for Grunkle. And it's a great metaphor, because that is kind of what people are doing every time they throw money at a tourist trap. You know, you get an experience out of it, maybe, but, you know, you're getting conned. Yeah. Okay, so then, that's funny. And then it smash cuts super quickly to Mabel and Dipper watching TV of Tiger Fist. And it's a tiger that, like, they just put a huge fist on its body and it starts punching stuff, which is ridiculous and funny. That smash cuts to, are you depressed? And someone going, yes! <laughs> and then it's the commercial for Gideon, who's the character that we get introduced for for the plot of the episode. But that intro, like, that series of sequences leading up to that was so funny. It actually structurally makes sense because we get the parallelism of Gideon's place to the Mystery Shack, which we'll get into, but... um it was a great intro. It was really funny. And then obviously theme song plays. Yeah. I, it is a very zany way to get into the episode. Uh, also cool that for the second episode, we are getting an idea of the types of television shows that exist within the Gravity Falls universe. With last episode, we got Duck Detective, and now we get Tiger Fist. I don't recall this one recurring, but, you know, the I option yeah. is always open. Like We yeah. will see. Um, Steven, Steven Universe does that, too, with, with TV shows in its canon. I think that's really cool. It is. Um, I think so, too. So in this case, though, it really, like you said, served a plot purpose because it's going to get interrupted by this commercial that's going to lead us into the crux of the episode, which is that there is a rival to the Mystery Shack. It is uh, a tent. That's right. It's Gideon's Tent of Telepathy. Yes. And it is very obviously some kind of a psychic hoax where people get conned, I will say. They get conned so that some random person can 
read their fortune. Yeah, so we get a little commercial. Mabel and Dipper are like, oh, this guy might be a psychic. Let's go check him out. Um, and they go to the place, and immediately we see somebody standing there taking people's money, and it's called the Psychic Sack. So we get a parallel thing. The difference is this place makes way more money than the Mystery Shack, and it's a little bit less broken down. So it's like Mystery Shack 2.0 is kind of the vibe that we're getting from it. Um, yeah. They describe it as the Bizarro version, and they literally have their own Seuss, a character that looks which very similar scene. to him. When the, when the Seusses make eye contact and they have that moment of tension. I almost gave him my points of the episode literally for that scene. <laughs> almost. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot to give out. But again, sorry to get too far ahead. Um, oh you you so, so did. You so, I'm not spoiling it. You so gave him to Seuss. Oh I my god. You did, you no. did that scene. Okay, anyway, before we get to that. <laughs> it's okay. I did a no. silly one too. When little Gideon, when we get his first on-screen moment he's like this we expect him to be this grandiose like psychic figure but he's a little child like mabel you know in dipper's age and he's like little birds fly out when he opens and he's like like kind of the stereotype like southern evangelical like really charismatic cult leader (laughs) almost yeah you're not that far off i'm with you and i i literally wrote down if if this was not a child, Disney could not have made this character. Like, Alex Hirsch definitely flew one under the radar with the existence of this whole thing. Because it's kind of crazy to see something like this in a... I've never seen... I don't know. Maybe there have. So, I'm interested... I can already tell the reason that you really like this is because of the symbolism of it all. Uh, the The way that Gideon is supposed to represent this type of figure... And you really appreciate how they went about it. Is that safe to say? I appreciate that they do that concept well. And it's also because I appreciate the, I, I appreciate that I don't like the characters in this episode because the thing about being 12 is being 12 is not exactly actually that awesome. A lot of the time. And you're not yeah. that cool all of the time, you know, and, and, and sometimes people are kind of awful. Um, one of the things that I wanted to say is that like the fact that Mabel is so quickly and easily won over by Gideon, I was like, come on, Mabel, are you for real right now? Like, this is yeah, awful. So, so just to give context for the people who are listening and didn't watch, uh, Gideon comes up and he sings this ridiculous song. The crowd is living for it, even though Dipper realizes it's super stupid. And it is a good song. He's, he's a fake. It is a pretty good song. It's a good and, song. Uh, I'm not going to say it's but, not a good song. But but to your point, Mabel is eating it up. She's yeah. like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Clearly is not kind of, psychic stuff, too. Clearly not psychic stuff. Like, he's looking at people, like, he's looking at visual clues that people have and being like, oh, your name must be Mabel. Mabel literally has a shirt that has her name on it. Stuff like that. Yeah, and it is very much in Mabel's character to be won over by something like this, which I do love. You know, uh, the characterization all makes sense here. And yeah, it does. The reason why I asked you what you like about it uh, is because we've established on our YouTube channel, a lot of the time you think of things more critically than I do. You appreciate some of the nuances, the creative choices. Whereas I just love to immerse myself in whatever I'm watching. And the fact that I don't... like. I'm just going to say, I hate Gideon so much. Like, I really do. I know, And I know right? that serves a really important part Purpose. of the show. Yeah, but he's so hateable. Like, he yeah, really he's just, awful. He's awful. He's he, the worst. He, can, can we keep going? Let's keep talking about how hateable he is through the story of him. Because every, every time he's on screen is, like, atrocious. Yeah, you know? I'm in. Um, so, what happens? So, okay, so he has this big old performance... And it's kind of awful. And as they're walking away, you see Dipper be like, ah, that guy's kind of a kook. And Mabel's like, what? It was kind of cool. And then you see, like, Gideon saw their conversation and is looking at him with them furrowed brows. So they go home. Everything's fine. But Gideon shows up at their door, at the door of the mystery shack. He knocks and he wants to meet Mabel because he apparently shares her love of sparkling things. In a very weird way, he asks to be discreet and takes her to his dressing room and offers her to just take whatever she wants from the dressing room. 
Yeah. Super, super bougie. Oh, I'm rich. Let me impress you with the things that I have kind of move. Oh, God. This this man is a trap. If you want to know, if you're young and listening to this and you want to know how not to be, great example. Yeah, he really is just like the perfect example of don't be like this. Yeah. Um, but Mabel has some kind of an affinity for him. Like, she sees him as a friend figure that yeah. she doesn't really have in her life. Yeah, I know what you're going to say, so go ahead. She even says, friend or little sister figure. And I'm like, eh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, talk about being friend-zoned. You got sister-zoned. Like, yeah. hardcore. Um, And Mabel says she feels like she can't do girly things because Dipper and Seuss do guy stuff, like blowing up hot dogs in a microwave one at a time, which is... Oh, yeah. we see <laughs> differences. Yeah. Dipper and yeah, Sue's do together. Yeah, you believe I'll do that? Yeah. I will say so, really, really quick on the note of friend zones, guys. Don't think of it as a friend zone. No women are entitled to date you. Okay, it's called they're a human being and have a right to be whatever they want. So go, go remember that next time you think about the friend zone. Just saying. Well said. Thank, <laughs> thank you for saying that. Don't be the guy who's dying on the friend zone hill. So, so cringy. Yeah. Just be happy that someone likes you enough to be your friend and shut the f up. <laughs> wise words from lucas oh man <clears throat> so excuse me sorry <clears throat> you're saying <laughs> yeah so speaking of guys feeling like they're entitled to a date because of they are your yes. friend yep. here comes gideon on a rooftop asking mabel for a date that she clearly does not yeah. want to go on but he really really insists yes, like my... oh just one date my, my rage was thematically related to this episode, I promise. Yeah, so he, he does the classic, like, oh, let me set up, like, public pressure and social pressure. And, like, literally, it's, like, it's pressuring you to do... It's 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 symbolic for some nasty stuff. I, I hate... There was, for one moment, I was like, man, everybody in this is in this, car- in this, in this episode is awful. Maybe I'm going to give my point of the episode to Gideon just because I appreciate him representing such a scuzzbag. And then he did the pressure Mabel thing, and I'm like, nah, I hate this guy. I wish I could give him negative points, but I can't. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally understand. And actually, I had a similar thing cross my mind, because to your point, he does encapsulate this character well. And as somebody who immerses himself more in things and tries to like get involved in the story... I do think it is important for characters like this to exist, even though we look at it and we say to ourselves, God, this character is gross. That's not an indication on the show being problematic. Is it an indication on the character being problematic? And that's the point. Well, and I think that actually this is a good episode for illustrating that with our entire cast. My next example, so I was like, okay, so who else am I going to give this point to? I already decided a different point, which I'll get to later, but I'm like, okay... I'll give it to Grunkle Stan, because at least Grunkle Stan doesn't like Gideon. He's like, I don't trust that guy. That guy's a creep because he, like, stole his parking spot. Because it wasn't a good reason, but I at least appreciated the skepticism. And then Grunkle Stan goes to confront him. Me all thinking I'm going to give him the episode point. And then he's like, oh, well, if we marry them, if we, like, arrange a marriage with Mabel and Gideon, then, then we'll share all this money and it'll be great. And I'm sitting here like, wait a minute, I was, and, and he literally agrees to marry Mabel. He's not even her dad. He literally <laughs> yeah. agrees to marry Mabel away for money. And I'm like, dude, you suck too. You're awful. So I didn't like Mabel for this episode because she was buying into it. And I felt bad for her by the end of the episode because of like how she got trapped into that. And I feel like a lot of people in life do get trapped into situations like that. And that- and, you know, it does make me think about that, which I appreciate. I appreciate the episode does that. But I still feel frustration from all of the characters. So then I was like, okay, well, I have no idea who I'm going to give this point to because I don't like any of these characters. So, well, okay, I guess I'll, I'll finish the point story later. The next thing that happens is we get some time where Mabel sits down and talks to, like, tries to have a heart-to-heart trying to figure out how to deal with Gideon, which is another thing I love. We're getting the character development of Mabel dealing with the situation emotionally and being like, I think I just got pressured into dating somebody. And it's like, I don't want to be mean to them, but like, like it's a really confusing situation. And I think it's realistic and it's cool that she sits down and have this conversation. But Wendy is literally like, or uh, Mabel says, Wendy, how do you break up with a guy? Have you ever done it before? He's like, yeah, I've broken up with tons of guys before. And Wendy just starts listing guys and Mabel like has a little inner dialogue talking to Wendy, but Wendy's not actually talking to her. She just keeps listing guys that she's broken up with. 
and I saw in a trivia thing that that list of men was actually Alex Hirsch's sister's crushes in high school. Oh, that's so cool! I <laughs> Isn't didn't that, see that awesome? Yeah, I found that. I found I was looking up some stuff about the show because I wanted to uh, figure out the the code at the end for this one and i saw that cool trivia fact and i was like okay that's cool so sorry that was a long road for me to try to <laughs> no that. you're 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 good and i will say um I, i'm okay with the order that we have it you did get a little bit ahead because before that scene happens we do see their fancy restaurant date oh that's right where she's expecting it to be a low-key thing and he literally comes in on a white horse to take her to this super fancy restaurant end up be super rude to the staff it's so bad but because he's gideon and he's the town celebrity all of the people in the restaurant are interested in this date it even made the newspaper which is what propelled grunkle stan to go angrily go to gideon's dad try to put an end to this where of course it turned into a cringy business partnership but you talked about that and this date is Again, so bad. Mabel's clearly uncomfortable with the theme of it. She doesn't like it being so fancy. It feels high pressure. And Gideon understands to some degree, I think, that she's not feeling it, but he purposely continues to trap her. He just declares the date a huge success and that he can't wait for the next one without any kind of affirmation whatsoever. Young dude's taking notes on on how to do dates. Not this. Anything about this is no. Literally nothing. Yeah, so he brings a macaw in, like a literal freaking giant bird. Okay, to... except for that. That's kind of awesome. You might want to do the macaw. That's kind of dope. That's the only when... thing, though. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the thing is that it attracts attention. So there's people from Gravity Falls watching, waiting for her to say yes to the new date, which yeah. is adding more pressure. And there's an amazing scene where there's an old lady and she just goes, if she says no, I'll die from sadness. And a doctor right next to her goes, I can verify that that will indeed happen. Yeah. yeah. I almost gave the doctor my points just for that scene. Even though we'll never see him again. I I thought about it because that was so funny. And to that credit, that's one of the reasons I still enjoyed this episode, even though I didn't like any of our main characters, because it's still so funny. Every side character is still so funny. To have a doctor show up and say... Yes, this old lady will verifiably die if you do not, in fact, say yes to this date. Like, that is so over-the-top and hilarious. I love it. Yeah. The delivery was great, too. And it is a very funny way of creating this (laughs) metaphor of what it's like for a person to put pressure on somebody trying to date them. And, like, Mm -hmm. they make light of a very real thing in a way that's endearing and relatable and also teaches a lesson, which is... I think that Gravity Falls is very clever about the way that they teach morals because it never feels heavy handed, but it makes you laugh and it gets the point home. So really liked that moment uh, narratively. Mm-hmm. Th- there is another date where old man McGuffet shows back up. He's steering the boat and that's where Mabel tries to gently tell him she's not interested. He still can't take the hint. So this is another moment where it's just getting further and further, like farther than Mabel wants it to go. So Mabel has her little chat with Wendy, right? That's what happens next. Uh, yeah, that maybe before or after Grunkle Stan walks into the room and says, hey, great news, you have to marry Gideon while yeah, she's in right. the middle of like freaking out and then she runs off. Uh, yeah. So, and th- this is basically the part where Dipper decides that he wants to be a good brother. He's going to step, step in. in. Which, by the way, if you see homies who are struggling with a creepy guy, don't feel like you can't intervene. Help your friends out. And yeah, that's one reason consent. why. Of course, yeah. That's one reason yeah. why I love Dipper so much in this too, though. Because he's like, I will go break. This is what he says. I will go break up for- with Gideon for you. And Mabel's like, oh, that's awesome. Will you really? And he goes to the restaurant. Gideon's all like happy. And he's like, oh, Dipper. Well, he says something funny about it too. He's like, oh, Dipper, you look good. You look good. Something like that. Like the classic <laughs> douchebag colloquial thing that you would say. You know, oh, hey, hey, man, been a while. You look good. You know, like, oh, you're (laughs) totally lying. Like, you don't, you didn't just say, just said that. And Dipper's, you know, they have like a really, really well done. Like, it's not awkward to the point where you don't want to watch it. Because sometimes awkward humor is just like uncomfortable to watch and like repulsive, you know. 
Um, yeah. But, you know, we get like a colloquially awkward like, hey, man, so yeah, Mabel doesn't want to date you anymore. And I love the way that they they deliver it because Dipper really talks to him like somebody who would really be giving somebody this talk. It sounds really organic. Um, he's like, you know, he's like, all right, man. Well, you know, thumbs up. Cool. You know, because you can't say like, have a nice day or anything because it's awkward. Anyway, obviously Gideon is like unstable and he goes, everything is just fine. You have a lovely day, Dipper, whatever he says. But then we get a little cutscene, and later we see that he actually does have little psychic powers. And he goes on a little like weird psychic rage that we don't quite understand how he has powers in his room. And my favorite quote of the episode came from this scene because, you know, he like breaks a bunch of stuff in his room with psychic powers and his dad, grandfather, questionable relation. I I believe it's his father. Okay. His adult figure walks into the room and says something like, Gideon, what are you doing? You're destroying your room. And Gideon turns to him and goes, I can buy and sell you, old man. There's a big pause. Yeah. Fair enough. And closes the door. And that's, <laughs> it was it. so funny, dude. I was yeah. dying with that. This parent has no control over the monster that his son yeah. has become. And it's ooh, it's rough. I do believe that we see the magical charm in this scene. I think it's implied at this point that he is using some kind of object to make these psychic things happen. And naturally, this leads to the climax of the episode where we get... Another pretty decent Gravity Falls action sequence of Dipper or Gideon going after Dipper and them having a little fight, which is awesome. It's kind Dipper... it's kind of wild. They push yeah. it really far. Yeah, no, no, it's a good fight scene. It it looks good, and you feel a sense of threat for not you know it's a Disney show. We know he's not going to get like killed or anything, but you know there's a sense of danger. It's done well. Uh, but how does how does this fight scene end? Well, I'm more interested in how it starts, because I like the mechanism of where uh, Gideon calls Toby Determined, the reporter, to trap Dipper by uh, getting him to show up for a fake interview that's not real. That's how Dipper ends up in this room, which is locked right behind him, and Gideon goes on an utter rampage. He is petting a plush version of himself, and super creepy. Yeah, I mean, you really do get horror movie villain vibes from that kind of thing. So he does use this amulet as we see it to throw Dipper across the room. And Dipper is like shook because he really thought Gideon was a fake. And suddenly he's like, oh my God, wait, is this for real? Yeah. And Dipper is a person who understands the mysteries of Gravity Falls are very real. So even though we thought Gideon was a fake, I think he is reasonably concerned in this moment for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, it's not that his mind has suddenly been like, oh, like, this is a stand-up legit psychic all of a sudden. He's just like, okay, something's going on, and I need to... He adapts quickly, I will say. (laughs) He does. And, you know, this actually is when Wendy talks to Mabel, and they have that breakup scene. And that's what influences Mabel to be like, you know what, I'm gonna do it myself. I'm gonna do the right thing. And she goes to find this horrible scene of Gideon literally floating a pair of scissors yeah, that's slowly right. toward Dipper to freaking, like, cut him. Yeah. And she shows up at that exact moment, and it's so dark. That is really dark to me for a kid's cartoon. No, it was pretty good. It's pretty good. Gravity Falls pushes the envelope, especially after this episode, there's a few more. Like, it just gets more ramped up, dude. It's phenomenal. I love it. So, yeah, Mabel saves the day, and I like it because... This also requires her to have to... Gravity Falls is pretty good about wrapping up every character really needing to confront a problem of theirs within the episode. Yeah. You might have a little note about them maybe not growing enough overall and it being that phenomenon of, like, an episodic show where, like, you have a lesson to demonstrate a lesson narratively, but the characters don't necessarily actually, like, integrate them into their character development for later episodes. Um, I would say that Gravity Falls isn't awful about that, but sometimes I notice some characters like, I, I think you maybe should have learned a lesson about this in a previous episode. That, that I think a that's fair a fair criticism. It, yeah, it is. I, I mean, I don't think that it is a big deal, but um, you, you do get the feeling that they still want anybody to be able to turn on a random episode and not feel like they missed a huge amount of character growth. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'd say they, they weave enough story within this to where that doesn't bother me, but I, I notice it. I still notice it sometimes. Yeah. I'd be lying so, if I said I didn't. 
like you said, Mabel saves the day. She tries to fool him by saying, you know, we can still be makeover buddies. He's like, really? And she's like, no, you attacked my brother. What the heck? Like, yeah, like you're a psycho. Like, Are you out of your mind? No, I'm I'm blocking yeah. you on all of social media and maybe even getting a restraining order. Also shattering your amulet. You no longer have powers. Never come back yeah. to Yeah. So that is wild that she does that. And it's the right move. How funny um, would it be if Dipper just goes, No! <laughs> Mabel, you oh, had it in your hands! What were you thinking? Oh, because Why like you just hang on to it! <laughs> Oh, like she could have just saved it for the future and Dipper's yeah. all about mystery. Yeah, yeah they, they I mean, studied it. She just freaking broke it on the ground. It was in her hands. They could have just used it on him. They did use it on him. She <laughs> did. She, they Why did she break it? Because Dude. you never know. Maybe she, maybe she could have turned into the evil. You know, maybe she was thinking like that. Yeah. Like, I don't want any more evil to be caused because of this object and no, it's man. gone. A- Alex Hirsch knew and he narratively planned for this. That's what the whole camera joke was for in, in the Loch Ness Monster episode. Because they keep destroying evidence yeah. of all the cool things that they yeah, find. Exactly. It's just a habit. She's like, oh no, I had evidence. I threw it on the ground. That wasn't even out of spite. It's just like a twitch. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so we get Gideon ominous, ominously walking away, saying this isn't over. Um, he walks into his house. His dad and Grunkle Stan are together. And he says the whole family will pay. So the contract gets canceled. Stan decides to steal the clown painting that he loved. And uh, just to get something out of the transaction, I guess. Yeah. But then he shows back up and apparently Mabel's forgiving him, has forgiven him for trying to marry her off. And they bond over their hatred for Gideon. I would just like to say, I would not have forgiven somebody that quickly. I'd be mad for, for like, you'd have to be nice to me forever, dude. For, for somebody, like, you tried to marry, you literally tried to give me to somebody. You tried to enslave me with ancient Christian slave norms to make me belong to somebody. <laughs> no, no way am I forgiving you for that. You gotta buy me lunch for a year. Oh my god, I'd be so salty. No way, dude. Yes. So, when I watched this the first time, right, I was like, oh god, this is just... Not as fun of an episode to watch because this guy's so hateable. The characters aren't that likable in it. But then they keep me hooked with the very last end sequence. And yeah. we find out that this is a very, very important episode to the future yes. of the series. Because yes. as Gideon creepily plays with doll versions of the Pines family, we find out that he has Journal 2. Mm-hmm. Big, big, big reveal. Yeah, and... Another one of the huge strengths of this series is weaving the story through, despite everything. You know, we did say that, like, they want you to feel like you can watch an episode. They want you to be entertained by any episode, but they still have a story. You know, they have a narrative that they do have episode contained narratives that work uh, cohesively with the overarching story arcs as well. And I think that they do it really well. Alex Hirsch is a great writer. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, this does give us pretty much confirmation that Lil Gideon, as much as we hate him, is going to be a villain that carries Sticks around. To some yeah, he's going to be a main villain. Yeah. Good introduction and to him. Great villain introduction. Honestly, very creative. Get, has his own personality. He's not like a... Re- he doesn't feel like any other villain I've seen before in something. Um, yeah. You know, really good intro episode for him. Gives him a creepy vibe. Makes him feel actually genuinely threatening despite his appearance, you know, great. I think, again, like, to me, this is a good episode, despite, because they were able to make me not like anybody and still think it was a good episode. Sure. And you know what? The more that we've talked through it, I think I like this episode a lot more than I did before. Because I... I See, think that's, more of an that's why the analysis matters. You were all like, oh, well, I like immersing myself and not doing the analysis. And for me, the the, immers- the analysis is part of the immersion. That's just, I, get it. I, I couldn't do it any other way. I love the aesthetic yeah. qualities of it. It makes me happy. Well, and it does make it more enjoyable to think about what this means. And I really do appreciate that they took a stab at this moral that I think is very common and very important for people to see and see how gross it is when a guy does this, you Absolutely. know? I, so I, I hate it, but I love that they went there. So I agree. Is this working? The static on this thing. Hello? I found the remaining letters scattered throughout the notebook. In order, they are W-I-F-I. 
That makes seven letters in total. M-A-X-W-I-F-I. I'm confident that that's all, but it makes no sense. I'll begin deciphering these other entries and report back. Remember, I'm counting on you. One question remains, and that's amongst all of these characters that were kind of awful today. Um, why did Dipper get all your points? Uh, <laughs> hmm. Because he's the only one. I, I'll, I'll just start. I'll, I'll do my little story. Can I start with my little story? I would love that. You'll go ahead. So early on in the episode, I'm like, okay, well, obviously Dipper's getting my points because he's smart enough to actually look through all the BS and he's actually standing up for Mabel. And I love that, right? So my, yeah. my logic was like, all right, I'm gonna do the, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the funny thing. I'm gonna go, all right. Get, Dipper gets my two points for seeing through the BS, and Gideon gets my point for BSing. But I don't. Then, then Gideon's actually awful. I walked you through that whole process, so I was like, okay, he's awful. Okay, Grunkle Stan. Oh no, wait, Grunkle Stan tried to literally do the worst thing ever. So now he's off too. Sorry. So then who's left? So then I almost gave it to the waiter that Gideon abused because his delivery when he said yes sir when he just like took Gideon's BS was hilarious uh, <laughs> but I'm like nah two side character I don't want to do I don't want to throw it away and then I thought of the doctor which was also really funny I'm like maybe the doctor will come back but I ended up giving it to the sec my second point to Wendy because you did okay okay the boyfriend listing off of her literally the reason i loved it is because she is showing a narrative that's really different to mabel's because she's going like oh no i just i just do whatever i want confidently and and everything's been fine and at the very end of that conversation she gets she's like oh i don't even think i broke up with that guy oh my gosh no wonder he's still calling me which i mean i'm not advocating for anybody to do that because that's like awful honestly it's just like cool to see this character that is kind of reverse reversing these norms and and making <laughs> kind of leaving a trail of dudes that she doesn't care about. I don't know. I kind of found it refreshing. I'm not going to lie. So I gave her this, the, the point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, that was a very funny moment. And I did write down, she almost had my one point because I wrote Wendy kind of came in clutch, but there just wasn't enough content. Yeah. And I'm sure that there will be other characters that get my points despite not having enough content. But uh, actually, my one point went to Dipper. I know that he seems like the very obvious choice to give both to. Um, I mean, I think he has to get a point for being the sensible one that really did stick his neck out to try to help his sister out as much as he could. And he never yeah. judged her for being in the situation. He was just there to help. And I think that's the right way to handle that. Yeah. And he I, I, always he, made he sure judged that... a little. He judged a little bit. He's not perfect. Yeah. Okay, that's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> but I actually ended up giving my two points to Mabel. Oh, okay. Um because That's I felt like in the end she handled it well and I appreciated seeing this narrative, you know? Yeah. And I, I think the relatability of it, I think was something that I wanted to award my points to. I like that. I, I, I think that that's actually a great choice for this episode because I do think Mabel shines in it. It did. It's just at the beginning, it did remind me like, oh, there are some things that I don't like about Mabel. But we'll, we'll get into more episodes, everybody, because I'm, that's, I usually like, I usually prefer Mabel to Dipper, I'd say. The most pro-Mabel you are, yeah. But definitely there are times when I don't like pretty much every character in the series except for Seuss. And I kind of like that, though, because it keeps it versatile. You know, the characters can be likable sometimes and unlikable in others, just like how people really are, yeah. to be honest. And, yeah, and when I say I don't like them, I don't mean I... I don't like I'm I don't want to watch it or I don't like the show. I mean like they do things that frustrate me, but I still like their character like as a whole concept for the whole show. It's just I don't like things that they do, which is a very human thing and it builds their character. And I think everybody should occasionally drop in unlikable things about a character. Definitely. Now, Lucas, I want to raise something. So, people don't know this, but we originally recorded an 8 to 10 minute episode 0 to gravity bros at one point um decided to scrap it for just a regular trailer but mm -hmm. in that we had a conversation about what our character of the episode award was going to be called and i almost completely forgot that we had this because we wanted to name it after something for clarity you know we keep saying character of the episode i would love to hammer down a name so that we can just call it the award now 
you went on the record and you said, I want it to be called the Waddles Award for a character that we will be meeting soon in the show. Oh, yeah. And at the time, we were going to, like, put it up to a poll and all these things. I had said that it seems weird to call it the Waddles Award when that is a character that could conceivably win points. But I think I've turned a new leaf. Okay. Yeah, I feel like you have no more opinions on this. You may have even forgotten that the conversation I, happened in the first place. I I, I remember you pitching Waddles. I think no, you're the one. You oh, brought goodness. you brought up Waddles' name, and then I pitched it as the trophy name. I think. Okay, well, I guess the right. recording. I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember this Yeah, do you have any I'm strong busy. opinion whatsoever? Do you do you care what the award is called? Hmm. I do, I, I do. I, I actually don't like Waddles, though. What? I was here I to eat crow and say, you were right, I'm doing it. Well, the logic that you gave was pretty good. You're like, Waddles could get a point. I'm like, dude, you're right. Waddles could. T- Waddles is a character that could definitely, for real, get a point in this. Why so, did like, that logic not ring with you the first time I said it? I don't remember the conversation. I can't argue for that. Oh man, okay. It's, it's ringing out now. I don't know what I was thinking then, but it makes sense now. So, so maybe instead we should go, we should go. Let's see. Maybe we should go with the. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't. We already have like a cryptid of the week, which we're gonna get hey, into. Wait, in a second. I've got an idea. How about we? How about we crowdsource for those of you who are interested in what we do, but you haven't been to our Discord yet? Feel free to hop into the description because we have a Discord. And we have awesome people chatting about all kinds of cartoon-related things in there. I think that this would be a fun thing to let people try to find a name for us, and then we can vote on which one people like the best. Does that sound good? Sounds like a great cover for our lack of planning. I'm, I'm all about it. <laughs> all right, good stuff. Uh, this award <laughs> will have a name soon. So, cool. dude, let's get into some insights from Journal 3, um, the book that you and I have a copy of and of course, is also in the show. I don't need to explain that to the people who are still here. Uh, So there's not a whole lot of extra in this one, to be honest. It's basically just insights into what Dipper's thoughts on Gideon are. Um, He wonders how this kid has such white hair at 10 years old. Definitely a thought that I had as well. Hairspray. Well, I mean, hair dye, right? Hairspray just keeps it up. No, hairspray has color in it sometimes. You can get... I really? Mean, it's not, it's oh. not, like, good. It's not good. It's not, like... It's not, like my, like, my hair's dyed right now. Like, I went through a dying process. But you can also just get, like, color spray. Like, that cheap stuff you can get at, like, Halloween stores that just sprays your hair a color. Hmm. Okay, and that is sort of a double purpose because it can keep it stiff and also colored. Yeah. Stiff and colored. K- keeping it stiff. <laughs> is that today's <laughs> hashtag? Uh, yeah, <laughs> <all> right. <laughs> He also says in the journal, there is no soul behind these eyes, just unending evil. And he wonders where Gideon got the amulet and says, and he mentions specifically that it gives the wearer telekinesis and a folksy vibe, which I laughed. And a folksy um, vibe, that's because that's it's a bolo tie. I love it. Yeah. And now I feel like that is a good transition into journal four. So it was brought up to me by the great Tess from our Discord that... We don't necessarily have to do cryptids every single time. The whole point of Journal 3 is to include all mysteries, right? Uh, Oh, that's a good point. So Tess brought up one very good idea for later, but it's not going to be relevant to this episode, so I'm going to save it. Uh, But I wanted to go a little bit wider for this one, so I'm not going to pull straight from the cryptid wiki today. I actually have three concepts that I'd be interested in introducing to the journal today. And I know that's a lot of discussion. I think there's a lot to talk about here, especially because at the end of last episode, we opened the door to the possibility of getting even deeper into philosophy with some of these discussions. Talk about uh, anything that Lucas wants to talk about, even if it's stuff that sounds a little bit wild by my standards. Okay. This is what you you asked me one question about a definition. That that's your problem that we ended up here. <laughs> and I'm okay with it because I think that these talks about uh, <laughs> these mythical objects or creatures is very fun and it's ripe for all kinds of discussion. So definitely. Let's talk let's talk about a couple ideas here. I first want to talk about amulets of ancient Egypt. So the idea that an amulet has magical properties does come from Egyptian history. 
it's not something that was invented uh, for Gravity Falls. And I kind of like that they play on that. So I'm going to read something from the Met Museum. An amulet is an object believed to have certain positive properties that, as the amulet's main function, can magically be bestowed upon its owner. In ancient Egypt, this magical power was often derived from a combination of several aspects, such as the amulet's shape, decoration, inscription, color, material, and words spoken over the piece or acts performed with it. Amulets were usually worn or placed on the body to transfer their powers directly to the owner. Often amulets were pierced or featured a loop, which allowed their use as pendants on a necklace, for example. So, I thought this might be a fun discussion as opposed to cryptids to talk about the idea that there could be some kind of a magical charm, right, that has maybe some magical properties that could bestow upon somebody. Okay. There's... The reason... Okay, the look on my face is somewhat of a grimace, and the reason why is because... I I don't want to tell people that horoscopes aren't real, Alec. I I can't... I don't want to be that guy. (laughs) You know, so... So if, if we're talking now, and so if you're going to ask me if amulets are real and crystals are real, I'm going to tell you, yes, they exist. I understand. Okay. And I'm going to leave it so, at that. Here's how I feel about a lot of these kinds of things. Scientifically, I do work in behavioral health research and it is important when it comes to cryptids, we can joke, we can laugh and be like, oh, these are creatures. They might be real. Uh, I do take stuff like this a little bit more seriously when I'm talking about it, because I don't want to point anybody in the literal direction of pseudoscience. I feel like that would be irresponsible. Yeah. The field that I come from, you know, Um, and I'm going to talk about two more after this that are maybe even approaching that more so. Um, But, but when when it comes to the amulet, I think that things like this, can have, are you, I'm sure that you're familiar with the placebo effect. Of course. So for those who don't know, the placebo effect happens when somebody really believes that a medication, for example, or something that is in their possession is working to cause a certain thing to happen, even though it's not. And they believe it so strongly that the well, effect well, actually hold happens. On now. Scientifically, yeah, you, right. can't, you can't say even though it's not. You can say that even if the science that they are expecting it to work doesn't work how they think it does. So the cause and effect relation that the person is assuming isn't happening and that there's no identifiable cause and effect relation other than the fact that the person expectations may have brought it into reality. Sure. And I'm not an expert in the placebo effect, I should clarify, and I haven't done research leading up to this episode, so I'm going to tread lightly. But believe that a lot of the theory there is that because somebody believes it, their body is able to react to it in a different way. Yeah, And this is a phenomenon that has been seen in a lot of different things. I think that sometimes things like horoscopes, like an amulet, can have a little bit of a placebo effect <laughs> where... You're wrestling some you feathers think- with them with them placebo words, Buster. You no, know, no, a lot of where- people don't want to think about it like that. I'm just saying... <laughs> So let me put it this way, right? So uh, I'm a Leo when it comes to horoscopes. And I do enjoy boasting about being a Leo and like leaning into the stereotype of it all a little bit. But when I was little, I was very much a coward, but I knew that I that my uh, astrological sign was a Leo. So as a kid, you don't know that these things aren't real. I thought that I was supposed to be predisposed for courage. So I lit- literally would put myself into uncomfortable, courageous situations and, like, stand up for kids that I saw getting bullied, even though it scared me to death, because I thought that I was supposed to. Like, because my astrological sign said it. So I think that is a type of example where if somebody believes in their sign enough, they can really step into that narrative. Um, okay, well, I, I will I will say, I, I want to give some gratification to people who are probably leaning a little bit more into the metaphysics. I'm not trying to discount crystals either because I know somebody that held a crystal and they had a spiritual experience where they melded consciousness with another animal and saw them live multiple, live and die through multiple lifetimes. And I believe for a fact that that definitely happened. And I would very much like to see somebody try to explain that. Wow. Um, yeah, that's a whole other thing that we can get into as well. Well, I'm not saying that these things can't have magical properties, but it definitely hasn't been proven, so I'm not willing to say that they can. Um, I'm so saying I, I'm still... for amulets, I'll give amulets in Egypt an eight. 
Okay. All right. <laughs> I like it. I mean, based on what by... I know that dude, there's some wild rocks out there, man. There's some wild rocks that if you if you hold them, if you touch them, if you eat them, sometimes they do funny things. So I'll I'll hang on. To, I'll, I'll I'll allow amulets this pass. I'll give that one. An, I'll give that one a nine out of ten. Actually. Oh man. Okay. By the logic that I used, I'm going to go ahead and give them a six. I think okay. that there there are situations that I can see it potentially being real. And uh, let's go to two more that I have listed here. Maybe we'll put them together. Okay. Telekinesis, the movement of objects, and the pa- psychic powers, the ability to actually foresee the future. And I guess they are a little bit different. Psychic powers is a huge category. We can't say that because that encompasses a million things. Telekinesis is very specific. Moving things with your mind. I like that one. Okay, and then then, future telling. And then for, yeah, foresight future telling is different. Because I've I've had a psychic experience before. I don't know how much I could actually talk about that. I don't think I'm going to get into that. That's okay. Maybe for the Patreon, the patrons, if, if we ever have a Patreon. Yeah. So I okay. wish I could talk about it. It's so interesting. You're, okay, okay. So let's do telekinesis is one, and then fortune telling is the other one. Yeah. Talk me through them. Um, I mean, fortune telling, I think, has been inaccurate so historically that, like, you know, I mean, sure, some people are bound to get things right, but I don't know. I, I, I'm not about fortune telling because I'm not about determinism. Because to me, what fortune telling means is that the future is already set in stone. And that's something that I don't philosophically agree with. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, maybe there's some way. I mean, it's like, I think everybody has some sort of senses of future events to some degree. Like your body can feel when an animal is moving towards you suddenly. Like, I think that everybody has some degree of that. Um, so I can't even give that a number because I think that that's actually an innate ability that everyone has. I just think that the woo wooey extent of it that people think that we might have might not be as far as some might assume. Um, I, I then, like the way that you explained that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause everyone has some sense of foresight, you know, even if it's a logical mm-hmm. process, like one plus one, your foresight says it's gonna equal two, you know, I mean, in a broadly philosophical sense. Um, and then when it comes to telekinesis, I mean, I just don't know enough scientifically about that, but I know psychic stuff is very real and I believe strongly in the human mind. I'm saying like nine out of 10 on that one too. Wow. Okay. So there are a lot of reports of these types of things happening. Scientifically speaking, uh, they there have been lots of experimenters that have tried to replicate this stuff with proof and not really been able to definitively do it. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting because a lot of this kind of stuff is based on ideas of history, but uh, because this is the type of thing that treads into pseudoscience, I am weary about giving reviews um, for either one. I just thought that they would be fun to talk about. So I'm going to give a straight five right down the middle for both. Uh, and be, uh, yeah, be very safe with it. Yeah. Um, I won't talk but, about future, but, but I, I'm, I'm fascinated by stuff like like uh, telekinesis and telepathy, because I've had, I will say in an undisclosed way that I've had a telepathy experience before that I definitely undeniably believe in. Nice. And that has totally changed what I believe in a lot of different things in my life. And I think it's fascinating. But if y'all want to know more about that, don't ask. (laughs) Maybe, maybe one day. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Listen, we're, Follow us on YouTube because that's where we're going to be doing stuff for a long time. We're going to be working yeah. on cartoon stuff for years. I'm not kidding you. Like, we're so committed that I bet that at some point, depending on how big of a fan you are and how committed you are to the kind of stuff that we're doing, you'll be able to hear more about Lucas's backstory one day. Yeah. Um, if, you don't you, you don't need to hear about that. I think I think everybody's better off. I'm better off not knowing myself personally. So we'll, we'll, just, <laughs> we'll just move on from that. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Uh, so let's go ahead and talk about the cipher um, that they tease in this episode. So, oh, okay. So there's a part of the episode that we glossed over because it doesn't seem relevant. When we are getting teased with the commercial of Gideon's tent, there's mm-hmm. a list of words that very quickly run past the screen. And I didn't know this. When gravity, yeah, when Gravity Falls sends you a long list of words like that, you know that it's going to mean something. Yeah. So I am going to go ahead and read off what showed up in the commercial. <laughs> Void where prohibited. No CODs expected. 
The letter P in the word psychic is silent and used for entertainment purposes only. If unsatisfied, <laughs> please if unsatisfied, please return unused portion for a full refund. Side effects what? may include, but are not limited to, prosperity, wads of cash, fun at parties, tight pants, 6.2% APR, no money down. Tight pants? Yes. Yeah. Psychic readings may cause a warming sensation in the abdomen. If pain persists, consult your physician immediately. Carla, I've always loved you, but I've never had the guts to say it. Oh, I remember reading that one. So, that gets us to the cipher. That oh, that's the cipher! our episode. The cipher is... It's like, Carla, I love you. Or Carla, I still yeah, love Car- you. Was one of- Carla, why won't you call me? That's it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, love it. L- little, little bit... Uh, you know, the fact that they're using a cipher to say so, I guess it's not as aggressive as it might otherwise seem, but it's it is so in aggressive. all caps. It's aggressive. How can you tell that from a cipher? I don't know. That's the Gravity Falls wiki. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. This podcast was brought to you by the Brazilian Dragon Podcast Network uh, and the Dragon Babies feed. So that is where our podcast exists, as well as lots of others, including a Phineas and Furbury watch for those of you who grew up around the same era as Gravity Falls and enjoyed that show as well. Um, Lucas and I, like I mentioned, have a YouTube channel and a Discord. We recommend checking those out. We also have social media links in the description. And leave some five-star iTunes reviews. For real, if you are soliciting at this point, those mean the world, and it'll help more people find our show. Thank you so much to our artist, Tessa Scarborough, and the voice of the mysterious woman, Anna LaFleur. We will see you all next week, and happy sleuthing. Happy sleuthing.